1: talk is about
0: to begin hey 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 come on in Welcome
2: back to buckeye talk it's your game preview for ohio state wisconsin on saturday night in the shoe doug LaMarie, Stephen means and nathan baird don't forget to listen to our betting the buckeyes preview that's me and tyler shoemaker where we take a gambling look at the ohio state game and also make picks from around the country and guys i am going to make somewhat declarative statement here off the top because it has been something that I have been talking about both on this show and the college football survivor show all off season. And I would officially like to say, I think Graham Mertz is 64% good. All off season. I said, what if Graham Mertz? Well, no, no, no. That's no, that's more like,
1: well, (laughs) you're talking about the, just the, Balance the good bad balance.
0: If you that is a D. That it's is a D. D. It's and it's a low D. It's not even like I'm flirting with a C. Okay. It's a D. That, I meant that to sound good. <laughs> Here's your yeah.
2: Here. Congratulations, 64%. That's not I was thinking of it more in terms of like completion percentages, whatever. So it is one of those things. If it's a baseball player and you're hitting 333, you got a 33% on the test. He is good enough that if he's on i think he can do some stuff against ohio state on saturday night and i think perhaps nathan previously in his career against any real team that wasn't the case so we have seen and we don't mean to, you know whatever david blau nate stanley the times when a quarterback steps up he's more talented than a typical mid-tier big 10 quarterback i, am and, not sure I believe that but go ahead Oh, I because I've been still going, I'm still working on this Saquon Finn thing. I am running through every single quarterback I've watched play well, against okay. Ohio State it, and yes. Ohio. Okay. I am a wash in Curtis Painter right now, and he's better than Curtis Painter. Oh. All, like okay. all okay.
1: Uh, well, by, like, a, wow, what a standard. No, but Curtis, a Curtis Curtis Painter yeah. was a
2: backup quarterback in the NFL for like eight yeah. years. Yeah. So it is odd. But Curtis Painter, like I think I might have Curtis Painter Heisman swag in my crawl space still. <laughs> I legit, I have some weird. Great look quarterbacks. Man. Oh my God. So anyway, I, I, I think he and everybody, you, you read the stuff around Wisconsin, around Wisconsin right now. Footwork, presence in the pocket, reading defenses, all that kind of stuff where I think the people who cover Wisconsin have said for his career so far, he's had problems with that stuff. And he's better at it. And when he's in rhythm and his feet are right, he can, he can zip it. And so as we think about this Ohio State-Wisconsin game, Ohio State's favored by 18 and a half. We'll make our picks at the end of this podcast. Nathan, I have come around on the idea of two things. I think Wisconsin is going to throw in this game. I think they can't try to slam their run game into this Ohio State defensive front. And their loss to Washington State in week two, they came out and ran Braylon Allen into a brick wall, an eight and nine man box, and it went nowhere. And that game opened up when they let Graham Mertz start to throw it. And then that opened up the run game. And we'll talk about that loss. We need, I think Ohio State fans need to have the right perspective on that, that Wisconsin loss to Washington State. And I have a particular opinion on that. So I think they have to try to throw. And Nathan, there is like a good version of Graham Mertz somewhere in there. What is the chance that it shows up in front of 105,000 against a Jim Knowles defense in the game of the year for Wisconsin? Probably not very high, but I do think there's some talent in there. You seem to think that maybe he's not that different than the run-of-the-mill Big Ten quarterback, so go ahead on Graham Merz.
1: Probably better than those run-of-the-mill, yes, but but whether, he's, whether that means he's good is another question question. Um number one to to your first point, I think they're going to throw too. And I think Ryan Day thinks they're going to throw. The way he was talking today on his radio show, Thursday on his radio show about like, hey, don't like everyone thinks Wisconsin is just like three yards in a cloud of dust, but Paul Christ has a background as in passing offenses. He thinks Graham Mertz is a talented quarterback. He obviously recruited Graham Mertz. So I think Ryan Day expects him to throw the ball as well on Saturday. Uh, To the second point about Graham Mertz, I'm going to read you two stat lines. This is quarterback one Quarterback number one, 74.3% completions, 10.5 yards per attempt, and a 15 to four touchdown to interception ratio, which is, it's not CJ Stroud, but that is like almost like CJ Stroud production, Right. That the, the, that efficiency, that production. The second quarterback, 55.9% completions, 5.86 yards per attempt, and a 10 to 14 touchdown to interception ratio. Those two quarterbacks are actually both Graham Mertz. The first version of that, (laughs) the first quarterback is Graham Mertz against New Mexico State and Illinois State this year. Eastern Michigan, Illinois, Army, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Nebraska last year. So basically, And then Illinois in 2020, the game he had the 20 of 21 completions to start his career. So basically bad non-conference teams and non-bowl caliber Big Ten teams. He tears them up. Anybody who's any good, he's a very, very not special quarterback. At least Steve. the production would tell you that. I'm, I'd be curious to see if you saw things in that, Michigan, in that Washington State game that I didn't. Because the Washington State game also, the stat line is much closer to that second thing than the first thing.
2: Steven, what do you think of Graham Merckx? And do you think he is any kind of player for Ohio State fans? Not to be worried about. Worry is the wrong word when Ohio State's an 18.5% favor,
0: uh, 18.5 point favorite. But curious about. What do you think? Nathan used a lot of numbers to make the point that I think is valid. And I wanted to make that point as well. I think he is either really good or really bad. And that is not a good place to be as a quarterback. And you can base it on what opponent he's playing fine, but there's no middle ground with him. And so do I think he might rip a couple throws? Sure. But do I also think he'll complete only like 54% of his passes, maybe throw two picks? Yes. And that's not going to get it done, especially – I agree with both of you. I think they're going to throw it because they're going to have no choice but to throw it. And I think
1: so, they're going to throw it because that's where high State is vulnerable right now.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it matches up. Mm-hmm. And I'll be curious to see, do you guys think Jim Knowles is going to come out and stop the run first, right? Because this is yes. – you saw Washington yeah. State, again, eight and nine guys in the box. Washington State played a single high safety the whole game. I'll be really curious. I think – I, I looked at PFF has designations of where everybody lines up, like in the box, are you in the slot? Like all the different for every position. So I looked at the Ohio State safeties by PFF standards. How often are they in this in the box? And they also call like if you line up right on the end of the line, they'll call you a defensive lineman just for st- stat keeping. So I accounted that too by PFF basically in the box around the line of scrimmage. Ronnie Hickman, 60% of the time this year, 60% of his snaps have been that way. Josh Proctor, 60% of his snaps. Lathan Ransom, 35% of his snaps. So I think it's Ronnie Hickman that might live in the box on Saturday night, that Ronnie Hickman is going to be down playing Mr. Physical Safety Guy and trying to tackle six foot two, Braylon Allen, because it certainly seems like they are not going to be in a world where they're going to have three linebackers on the field. So, in that world, you're you're going to have to have some safeties down there. Tanner McAllister, you think, is going to be in there? Like maybe they have Lathan Ransom and Ronnie Hickman together in the box, and Tanner McAllister off the field, and Josh Proctor's deep. Whatever they do, I think they are going to have safeties in there. But Washington State did that, and Wisconsin tried to run into it. And it was incredibly ineffective. And I think it was Brock Hewitt on the call of that game. I think Brock Hewitt is, if that's who it was, I think it was. I think he's really good. I think that I make fun of announcers when I think they're terrible and cliched. He was talking a lot about Washington State was running a lot of stunts, giving a lot of different looks, and it was messing up the Wisconsin blocking. They couldn't even figure out how to get guys blocked. So I could see Jim Knowles, Jack Sawyer's moving around. Here comes a guy down. Now There, and Jim Knowles does something where, by emphasizing stopping the run, dedicating personnel to that, and then trying to throw off the blocking scheme, Wisconsin can't get anything going. And then they finally got Braylon Allen going a little bit, Nathan. By and listen, there's there's two tight ends on the field eighty percent of the time. Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, it is it is it is absolutely their base set. But they can have the two tight ends and be spread out when they are super compact. You know, there's a lot of snaps early on in that game where they have eight guys in the line of scrimmage. You know, they're practically in 13 personnel with a quarterback, a tailback, and one receiver out wide. And then when they were that compacted, they did nothing. They ran it. And we're talking about Washington State in week two because the other two opponents Wisconsin played or middle school teams. It's not worth talking about. When they spread it out, that's when Braylon Allen got going. And actually, Graham Mertz threw it pretty decent. So, Nathan, what do you think Jim Knowles will do? Because I am fascinated. We talked a lot in the offseason with Jim Knowles about – about getting ready for Notre Dame and Wisconsin 12 personnel. How do you handle it? Hey, in the Big 12, you didn't face that that style of offense very often. We didn't get as specific with him this week. But I don't know that Jim Knowles has faced exactly this kind of team. He's faced backs like this, but this kind of style. Do you think Jim Knowles will come out and say, we're going to clog up every gap and you are not running on us. Go ahead, Graham Mertz, and beat us.
1: That's what I would do, and I think that's probably what he will do. I think that's obviously the most (laughs) important. (laughs) the most important part of that sentence is what he'll do because no one's hiring me to be a defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean that I, I, any opponent that plays Wisconsin, I think that's what I would do. And even if you think Graham Mertz is getting better and coming along, I don't think it, he is not a, a threat to you the way Braylon Allen is I think on any given snap and uh, over the course of a game though, the X factor here though is what you think of this Wisconsin offensive line. I was not especially impressed watching that Washington state game and I, that's one of the things I'm eager to see on those early snaps Saturday. Like how does, does Jim Knowles feel like he has to bring additional personnel repeatedly, uh, keeping him in the box and going after the run game that way? Or does he think Ohio state's front six can beat and, and and front seven, when you're adding in the the occasional safety is going to take care of that run game. You're not going to have to like overload to stop them because if you think your front is better than their front, are you going to like just kind of roll with that and, and make them again, ma- make them prove both things, make them prove that you have to put extra guys in the box and make them prove that uh, they can beat you with the pass?
2: I think I mean, there are oftentimes I mean, again, Wisconsin's Wisconsin. But when Wisconsin's at its best, Steven, it doesn't matter what you do or how many guys you put in the box. They're going to run on you anyway. Because they're going to believe in their five guys to get it blocked up, and they're going to have a physical back who's going to take care of at least one defender in the hole, and then away we go. They have a really good center, I think his name's Tipman, The that I think is probably their best offensive lineman, but it does feel like, you know, they put up the graph, they're all six they're all 310 pounds, right, they're all physical, But I it does feel like that is the correct assessment, because I don't know if it was Jim Knowles or Ryan Day who this week said they have a young line, which I mean, it certainly was not a criticism, but I didn't hear anybody at Ohio State say, oh, oh, Wisconsin's offensive line. Well, you know, like they cracked the door on, hey, maybe this line isn't as good as it normally is.
0: I think that's why he's going to load up the box the way he is, because with good reason, the most. The thing Jim Knowles is scared of the most is the six foot two, 238 pound uh, running back that used to be a linebacker. And so he's going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at Braylon Allen. Yeah. I think if he looks at that combination of you're not scared of Graham Mertz, even if Ryan Day is giving every glowing, you know. A review of him possible anytime he gets a chance to and you think this is a young offensive line that has some talent but i think they're better off they're, they're, the guys with the higher ceiling are like freshmen and sophomores right now so come talk to me about wisconsin's line a year from now yeah then yes i load up the box and you know braylon allen's gonna break off the first blitz, but he's not gonna break off tommy eichenberg Steel chambers and cody simon and ronnie hickman every single time and make him have a Twenty carry day where he ends the day with like seventy two yards, where he felt he had to work for all seventy two of those yards.
2: One of the other things about Wisconsin's offensive line that I certainly noted in the Washington State rewatch, and then I double checked the stats: their offensive linemen and tight ends, right? And and most of the time, what I'm referencing here is when your tight end as a blocker, they have thirteen penalties in three games. In contrast, Ohio State's offensive linemen and tight ends have five penalties in three games. Nathan, the Washington State game, they had some, Wisconsin would break off a big play and there was a hold and there was a chop block. It was really sloppy. And this is one of those, it's cliche, but it's true. If Wisconsin gets behind the chains and all of a sudden now it's first and 15, now all of a sudden it's second and 17 because you thought you had an 11-yard run, but now it's minus 10, they're dead. And they shot themselves in the foot with offensive line penalties. And I think that's a fair representation of a young line. They're grabby, man. And guess what? I think you're going to be grabby on Jack Sawyer. I think you to be grabby on Steel Chambers. I think it would be grabby on JT, right? Like I just, I think that could be, Wisconsin's going to have to play an almost perfect offensive game, Nathan, to have a shot on Saturday night. And that's an indication to me that I don't know that they're capable of that.
1: I agree with that. And and I think the other thing that's going to happen is, again, what we've seen from Jim Knowles is, regardless of whether he is trying to take one aspect away or, or the other, it's going to be in an aggressive fashion. I, I don't think he's going to come back and just sit back and I don't care who they're playing. It could be playing a great passing team. He's not just kind of sit back in coverage and let it come to him like he's going to go after it. He's going to send Ohio State after it. And this does not look to me like an offensive front that is going to hold up very well against the relentless, like firing Tommy Eichenberg out of a cannon, bringing Jack Sawyer in his various like gap responsibilities with that Jack look, bringing Ronnie Hickman and other safeties off the edge that they like to sprinkle in once every couple of possessions. Like there, there's always something coming. And I, I'm, I'm, I, I just don't think this opponent matches up very well with, with, what they're going to bring based on what I've seen, especially in that Washington state game.
2: Which leads us back to Graham Mertz, big 10 passing offenses this year. Ohio state is number two in yards per attempt at 11.2 yards per attempt. Number one is Wisconsin 11.7 yards per attempt. Ohio state is completing 73% of its throws Wisconsin is completing 72% of its throws. Last year, Graham Mertz, in 284 pass attempts, had 20 throws of 20 yards or more and eight of 30 yards or more. This year, in 62 passing attempts, he has nine throws of 20 yards or more and five of 30 yards or more. So last year, 2.8% of his attempts turned into completions of 30 yards or more. This year, it's 8%. They, are, they have added this a little bit play action, max protect, deep shot stuff, which guess what that reminds you of a little bit. Like, hey, this Chris Olave play for Wisconsin? So they're going to do that. They also drew a bunch of defensive pass interference calls against Washington State, Stephen. So Graham Mertz throws those okay. He's complete. They're trying it more. This is Bobby Engram, the new offensive coordinator. I think he's brought that in. It's a new thing they're trying. And Graham Mertz is okay at it. He's not great at it, but he had a couple down the seam, and they drew some stuff. Steven, I don't know if you have – if you're telling me it's a team that's willing to take shots, I don't, I don't think the Wisconsin receivers are great. Their best pass catcher is probably a tight end, this Clay Condiff guy. But they'll take some shots. If you get sucked up a little bit and worried about the run, or if you get a little grabby, Steven, would we think maybe – even against a team that's, you know, it's, it's not Caleb Williams. It's not Bryce Young. Would Ohio State at all be susceptible to a team that is willing to take some deep shots? Or do you think
0: these safeties and corners will handle that? Somewhere in the middle. Ohio will it's going to give up a 35-yard completion on Saturday at some point. PFF isn't always good, but what they are good is like quarterback breakdowns. I think it's something to do really well, and they have a, a. I have a breakdown here of what Graham Mertz is. He's actually pretty good when he gets blitzed, seventy-three point seven completion percentage. It's when he and then like, but under pressure is more the thing we're talking about here. That drops down to forty-two point nine. So if you have him under duress, it becomes an issue. And as we talked about earlier, with this offensive line being an issue, Wisconsin doesn't have any receive. Like nobody on their team has more than nine catches for them right now. So they don't have the weapons to have this explosive passing attack for it to be a consistent theme on Saturday. But yeah, just because of what we've seen from Ohio state's corners, especially if they're in any way, not 100% healthy, which they're not going to be because they're already missing Jordan Hancock. So if you're even more compromised, because Cam Brown or Denzel Burks got something going on, then yeah, Ohio state's going to give up a 30 yard uh, completion at some point, whether it's a touchdown or not. But the other Six or seven shots, Graham Mertz isn't going to hit on, and one of those might get be picked just because he's panicking and throwing a pass he shouldn't be throwing.
1: I really important distinction too to point out though between the the the, the blitzes and the pressure because yeah, pressure pressure created without a blitz is a horrible thing for quarterback because you have extra guys in coverage that they didn't have to bring and. Um, A blitz that doesn't create pressure is a jackpot for a quarterback Mm -hmm. because now you've got one less guy in coverage and it opens things up. So I, I think Mike Hall Jr. is a huge player for Saturday's game. I think both in what Ohio State wants to do as far as stopping the run, but then also he's been the guy through those first two games, it was, I think, creating the most consistent pressure, getting in the backfield, being disruptive. And if he can do that without the times when they have to, where they are blitzing with Eichenberg and Chambers and guy safeties off the edge and corners or whatever, if, if he's creating a lot of that pressure, and I think they might be a little soft in the middle. I think that that's, it goes a long way.
0: And that's the thing right there. that 14 drop packs under pressure. He's actually gotten the pass off seven times. So he hasn't been under pressure a lot. He just, it's terrible out of that, the small amount number size. But if my call is playing and he's living in the middle of that backfield because he's blowing up a pocket, that number, he might have seven under-pressure throws by halftime just because of my, what my call has been able to do combined with JT and Jack. Yeah, four-man
2: pressure makes the world go around. When Ohio State has was yep. great in the previous decade on defense it's because they were able to do that. I'll be curious to see how much Jim Knowles does bring pressure. Maybe you drop eight on this guy and see what happens. You want to keep him off balance. When he has protection, listen, if they keep seven in, put three guys in the route, keep seven in, and try to make a pocket for him, he'll rip some stuff. He'll rip some stuff in a way that other guys you'll see in the Big Ten aren't going to do. If you blitz him, he'll get the ball out of his hands. He'll recognize and get the ball out of his hands. When he's under pressure, he'll do – there are some plays – Where like, oh, here he goes. He's rolling to his right. Okay. Oh, he's looking for a guy in the move. And then he misses the guy by four yards. And it's like, okay. That's the part where it's like, oh man, he looks really good in those situations right until the point where the ball leaves his hand. But if he's comfortable. Why why is that important? yeah I mean, I don't know. I mean, style. Hey, come on. You look good, feel good, throw. eh. So that is it, right? Normal pressure when he has to try to create, it's not, there's not a lot there. Yeah, like he'll run a tiny little bit, but if they can, if, if they're willing to keep in in guys to give him time i'll be really curious what that looks like i wasn't sure how well he was playing def i will, just so people know this and, and i i just sometimes i think people come in and they listen to this preview pod this is in my head at least and we go on and on about the opponent we talk about ohio state like the other four podcasts year round you guys know the deal with ohio state so we're trying to inform you on this My final takeaway on this, Nathan, as it relates to Graham Mertz, I really respect Braylon Allen, but Wisconsin has to find creative ways to get him loose. And again, I think that's not by having an eight-man line of scrimmage with three tight ends all lined up tight. They've got to spread it out. They've got to throw it effectively, spread it out, and then let him get wide. I respect Braylon Allen, and in the end, Nathan, I respect Graham Mertz. More than maybe I thought I did, given the fact that they started 2-1 and and had this awful Washington State loss, because when conditions are right, he looks good. It's just a matter of how often against this Jim Knowles defense with a good front four can they create the right conditions for him to succeed. And that is going to be strategy with Bobby Ingram and Paul Christ about how are you going to protect? And it's going to be strategy from Jim Knowles. How much do you sell out to stop the run? How much are you daring Graham Mertz to beat you? Because I'm just, I just, this game preview is often more of a, is it a warning or should you not be worried? Right. That's what I want people to come away with. Hey, I listened to Nathan and Steven and Doug and they told us what was up. I would tell you that I think the very best of Graham Mertz has a chance to be a problem. What are the chances that you get that? I think maybe 20%. But that's where I've arrived. That When he looks good, Nathan, he looks good.
1: I think you and I are actually probably not that far apart on this. But the way I would more likely say it is I expect Graham Mertz, as we said up front, I think they're going to come out and throw it. I think they can have some success there because of where Ohio State is personnel-wise right now either if ever, not everybody can play in that cornerback group or just the way they are playing right now lends himself to being attacked right now. So I think they'll be, I'll be, they're will they going to be able to produce. I think he's going to put up yards and I think maybe even points, but I don't think he can be efficient enough to beat Ohio State. I was looking at the time. So I, my, my prop bet thing for this week is whatever the – it's somewhere in the 170s is his passing yardage. There were five times that Dave played good teams and he's gone over that. One was just this Washington State and he averaged 7.3 yards per attempt. The other four were games last year against Notre Dame, Penn State, and Iowa and a game in 2020 against Northwestern, and he's under six yards per attempt in all four of those games. So he just, it, it takes him a lot of attempts to get yardage with this yeah. offense, and if they do that, if it takes that again, if he's having to drop back like 40 times, but he's only like getting into like less than 250 yards, that's an Ohio State win.
0: It's a combination of like, if you're, it's almost like, He's going to get impatient and want to throw something he shouldn't throw. But then also, I think there is a a world where that first drive is rolling. He's doing a good job. It's a quality game so far. Maybe gets into the second, maybe the third drive. But at some point, something's going to happen to take him off schedule and it takes him out of it. And he never really recovered. He seems like that type of quarterback where it's like, it's all, it's that, you know, what did Mike Tyson say? Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You know, it's almost like what he gets punched in the mouth, maybe whether it's a sack or just he got under duress that it kind of rattles him the rest of the game. That's my vibe. I get from him a lot of the time. So,
2: so I will say this. And of course, we have to look back statistically. We have to we have a small data size. You have to look at previous years. If Graham Mertz at all resembles the previous Graham Mertz that those stats apply to, that those va- vibes apply to Wisconsin's dead. And that was the whole thing for this Wisconsin season is, does Graham Mertz make a leap or not? And reading the people who cover the team and and maybe they are leaning towards favorable coverage, just like the Ohio State beat does. It feels like people think he has made at least a partial leap. And so that is one of those where, yes, I think he has a reputation of not doing well against better teams. I don't know if that's still applicable. I thought he played pretty well against Washington State. And so if it's make a leap, Graham Mertz, then then maybe it's on. Then maybe it's on. I did not think he looked panicky against Washington State. I thought sometimes when he's asked to be creative under duress, he doesn't quite have it, which applies, you know, again, problem with CJ Stroud is sometimes CJ Stroud makes quarterbacking look easy. Yeah. Man, it is not easy. And CJ is just like, oh, wait, no. So sometimes Graham Mertz, when he's under pressure, makes it look hard. But when he, again, has a pocket, it looks okay. All right. That's enough Graham Mertz. Oh my God. I listened to Buckeye Talk. I said the name Graham Mertz 76 times. When we come back, I want to say one more thing about the Wisconsin-Washington State game that I think Ohio State fans need to hear. And one more thing about Paul Christ, And then we need to talk about Wisconsin defense versus Ohio State offense next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Stephen, back, 614-350-3315 if you want to be a text subscriber. Here are my two things. One is that was an embarrassing, ridiculous loss by Wisconsin to Washington State in week two. They are so much better than Washington State. It blows your mind. So if it was like, oh, my God, how did Wisconsin? They had three turnovers. They had 11 penalties for 106 yards. Each team... So it evened out each team had a play where they intercepted the ball and then fumbled the ball after the interception and gave it back to the offense. Unbelievable. They gave up a huge kickoff return. The Wisconsin kicker literally had two of the worst field goal attempts I have ever seen. He had a 50 yarder that he practically kicked sideways into the stands. And then he had like a 30 yarder. that They were like, was that blocked? And it was like, no, it wasn't blocked. It just was a dead duck off the foot. Awful. Penalties, turnovers. And then the, the, what the Graham merch picked it stuck. It was in the red zone at the nine yard line. On third down, they sent the guys out in a route. I think he tried to make a quick throw and like the guy wasn't looking. So he had to hold on to the ball and he got pressure and he got hit as he threw it and the ball went up in the air and they picked it. I didn't think that was like a panicky thing. It was like they got pressure and I think his first read didn't turn around for the ball. So they blew that game. So if I, my initial, I hadn't watched it. If I thought, oh, Wisconsin's not as good as I think they lost to Washington State, it was such rank incompetence from the basic things like, if they're not incompetent, don't hold on every running play. Try to get a field goal kicker who looks like he's better than a middle school kicker, right? Try to do those things. Then that's going to be a different thing. The other thing is they should fire Paul Chris at the end of the year, and make Jim Leonard the, the head coach. I mean, I just, I'm so four years ago, I was like, you know, who's a good coach that Paul Chris, it has so run its course in Madison. I am like, you just show that guy on the sideline and it's, Can we do something else, please? What are we doing? And that's on him. 100 yards and penalties against Washington State, a kicker who doesn't know how to kick a football. Like all these crazy, like that's on the coach. I think the coach stinks probably, right? And then the defensive coordinator is good. So that's my lead into Jim Leonard, Nathan. You wrote about Jim Leonard this week. He's good. Everybody thinks he's good. You asked Jim Knowles about him. Jim Knowles thinks he's good. Ryan Day thinks he's good. He's good. I don't know if that means he can stop Ohio State, but people need to realize, and I think they have, this is a really good defensive coordinator.
1: Absolutely. I ranked him number two on my list of the 10 defensive coordinators, 10 best defensive coordinators Ryan Day has faced since he got to Ohio State in 2017. And you know, I I sent a text. To our subscribers yesterday, I was talking about this, um, the, the the concept of Brian Hartline and why he mm-hmm. isn't getting mentioned at like Nebraska or whatever. And there was a, it might have been Bruce Feldman that had a list of candidates for Nebraska and it had Jim Leonard on there. And really his career arc is not that different than Brian Hartline's. I don't know that he's thought of as being well, I know he isn't. He isn't thought of as being the kind of recruiter that Brian Harlan is where you can go and get elite guys at your like five star, multiple five star guys at your position every year. But it's
0: also not w- Ohio State Wisconsin's where it's not that. Easier to do that.
1: It, it's very true. Very true, Steven. Um, but I mean a guy who played at at the school, went to the NFL for an extended period of time, came back and was like immediately a position coach, and then And then one year later was the coordinator. Like he has been the Wisconsin defense now going back to 2017, basically. And there's an identity here. They like this, the the three, four approach. They always have guys who are considered among the best linebackers in the big 10 last year was this guy, Leo Chanel, who was the big 10 linebacker of the year this year. uh, Nick Harbig, I think is the guy that, I mean, he was my vote for preseason big 10 player of the year. Um, one of the you know best edge rushers in the big 10 in addition to everything else he does and that's the thing that Ohio State it's a wrinkle Ohio State hasn't seen yet this season is that kind of front and how multiple that's going to be and how is probably going to show them a few things Randy was talking about that today and the players are talking about that on Wednesday they're going to see some different fronts and uh, the, the the protection for CJ Stroud is going to be a more urgent thing than it has been in any of the first three games this year.
2: Given all that, all due respect. Uh,
1: given all that, put it in the. It's like we need to have like a swear uh, jar. I know. Uh, Nathan's Venmo on deck now. That's all that yeah. means.
0: Nathan's on deck.
1: You have to Venmo a quarter to like some reservoir that we have of of the all due respect jar.
2: Stephen, is there any is there any reason to believe that Wisconsin can stop Ohio State's passing game?
0: No. And it's like, it's not so much because I don't think they have some dudes. It's because I think some of the dudes who can help do that aren't playing. They're not are I'm pretty sure they're down in the top two corners. It's, it, it, it's from the injury report they put out a couple of days ago, that's the case. And so it's like, I'm not, I, I've brought it up a couple of times. I don't think it'll be that extreme, but is C.J. Stroud like just going to rip this Wisconsin secondary apart for two and a half quarters? Like that's all like the Michigan state idea is on the table of like, he finishes the night with 400 plus yards and five touchdowns just because Wisconsin isn't at full strength.
2: I think they're going to drop eight a lot and try to make him have trouble finding passing lanes. I'm not saying that's going to work.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the, that's why I say, I don't think it will be that extreme in a sense of like, he's not going to have four touchdowns at the end of the first quarter because they're just explosive play, explosive play, explosive play. But, like, the stats might start piling up by the end of the game, and it might look similar in the box score. That's more what I get at with that because I do – teams are just going to drop eight against Ohio State as long as C.J. Stroud are their quarterback, and maybe as long as Ryan Day is here at this point because nobody wants 40-yard bombs rained on them for 60 minutes. And I, I do think looking at the PFF numbers, Wisconsin
2: has 22 hurries from their defense against opposing offenses. They've hurried the quarterback 22 times in three games – In comparison, Ohio State has 38. So I don't think Nathan strategically slash from a personnel standpoint, again, Herbig was was high on our list of preseason defensive player of the year in our cleveland.com poll. I don't think Wisconsin is going to be in CJ's face all night. I think he's going to have time and it's going to take some patience, which also this could be a really valuable game for Jackson Smith and Jigba to be Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's a guy who can work the middle of the field, find soft spots, settle in, be in sync with his quarterback. Hey, there's the route you're supposed to run. And there's the, Hey, what am I trying to do? Follow the dots on a chart? Or am I trying to get open in a spot on the field? Jackson, if he's Jackson has a chance, I think to work, this defense, because I do think they'll drop eight. And I, and I think that it's time. Can CJ be patient? He usually is. Can CJ be accurate? He almost always is. Can these guys get open, but Jim Leonard's going to try to have a little something for him because there were times, listen, the Washington state quarterback wasn't very good and he was a little bit more of a run threat, but you know, they intercepted him a couple of times. They, they seem to bait him into some things. And again, what does that apply? What does that mean for CJ Stroud? Probably nothing, but they're going to try to do some of that. And, you know, if Jackson's not quite himself at the at the moment, Nathan Right? we're assuming Julian Fleming and Jackson Smith and Jigba are good to go and all that stuff. But if for some reason he's still not, I think that would have some effect on this game plan because at full strength, I just don't think Wisconsin has a great chance to slow down Ohio State throwing it.
1: Yeah, on Thursday, Ryan Day said, you know, he didn't come out and say, oh, absolutely, both those guys are 100% to go. It was more like, uh, we're, we, you know, we're still keeping an eye on it, but everything looks fine for that. So maybe just with any guys who've had recent injuries, he's, he's being a little bit more or maybe just because for gamesmanship doesn't want any absolutes out there either way. And that c- c- kind of goes up and down the roster right now. But no, I agree with what you're saying. I don't know how they match up with with all three of these guys. Um, it is. So the, the guy who they thought was going to be their top cornerback before the year, a guy named Alexander Smith is the one that's been out with a hamstring injury. They yeah. did get another cornerback um, named Justin Clark back last week that they think is going to be able to play this week. So they got a little bit of depth back in that New Mexico State game. But it's it's this it's 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 the start of the same problem that a lot of Big Ten teams have always had and are going to have all season. And I don't know, with the possible exception of Penn State, like who I look at right now on paper that I think a secondary that could almost equate with Ohio State a little bit.
0: The drop eight concept is why this is a valuable game for Jackson to be back because it's also a a result of Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka proving their value. And so there isn't – because they could go the opposite way had those two not done what they've done and just say, we're just going to sell out on Jackson Smith and Jigba by not dropping eight and making sure CJ doesn't have that weapon, but because they've been seeing those two guys on film playing the way they are, then you've got to almost pick your poison right now.
1: What this it makes could also be real quick. This could also just be an interesting test case for Ryan day, putting his money where his mouth is when teams drop eight. Cause I think if they drop eight, the most mm. important player on the field isn't Jackson Smith the Jigba. It's like the five offensive linemen. What are they now doing and clearing out space? If Ryan day is letting his running backs feed in that situation. Cause I think they like, He says he likes that matchup. He says he's seen it now, whether it was late in that uh, Notre Dame game, whether it was it stretches against the the last two opponents when they're going to drop eight, they're just going to take that running gash that they can get there. So does he follow through on that? Okay.
2: I think we have a handle on how we think it's going to match up on that side of the ball. When we come back, Little discussion of what our texters think about this game. I want to talk about the atmosphere of what this game is going to be like at night in the shoe, and then we'll make our picks next on Buckeye Talk. All right, so we do the Rant Podcast on Wednesday. We do the rapid-fire Q&A most of the time on Thursday, uh, and we still have too many good things. I tried to save some stuff from our tech subscribers that related specifically to the game. This is from Ty in the 859. Here's my rant after this weekend. Ohio State cements itself as the top offense in the country. JSN is going to be back on track after getting his feet under him last week, and he goes for 150 and two touchdowns. I see CJ having four total touchdowns and picking apart this good Wisconsin defense. Um, Trevion gets his time as well. I see Day trying to establish the run early against this defense so they aren't one-dimensional. Breakout game for this offense that will start looking like what we thought they would be in the preseason. CJ for Heisman. Uh, let's do another one uh, about... Wisconsin from the 614 Good Wisconsin is annoying. They are fine. They are a solid mid-tier football team, but because they are Wisconsin, they get the mindset of a top 15 matchup when in reality this is probably one of the worst Wisconsin teams the Buckeyes have played. They are very one-dimensional, and while people say their pass game is better, that's not saying much. That's in all caps. I'm <laughs> um, Imagine this person, the 614, was, was banging their head uh, against the wall as they listened to the Graham Merch conversation early on. They're fine. The Buckeyes won't face another good team until Happy Valley. They won't face a great team until the final game of the regular season. All right, so then there's some atmosphere stuff here. Every Ohio State's asking everybody to wear black for this game. From the 804, Keon Keeley will commit to Ohio State after he attends this weekend's game. Blackout okay. crowd, <laughs> blackout crowd, blackout uniforms, a premier matchup of a game. He's going to have a hard time saying no to Ohio State after attending this. And then one more about uh, the blackout. This is someone who doesn't like the blackout, actually, from the 614. Cannot say enough how much I dislike the black uniforms and the blackout. Black unis with silver helmets are tolerable, but black on black on black looks like Oregon State beavers. Black helmets with red Buckeye leaves are invisible on the helmet. Need to put regular Buckeye leaves on black or silver helmets. And a blackout is unimpressive on TV. TV, It adds nothing to the game. That's Carl in Dublin. Stephen, what do you think the atmosphere will be like for this one? What do you think of a primetime Wisconsin game,
0: third time in four games that it's in primetime and they're doing the blackout? I think the Notre Dame game atmosphere was so crazy that you can't expect that again because there's not going to be a bunch of celebrities. Well, LeBron James is not coming to the Wisconsin game. Jason Tatum's not like, it was just a lot there that you can't use that as a gauge for whether this atmosphere will be good or not. I think it'll be great, but I do think Keon the guy brought up. He's not committing right after this game anywhere. Cause he's going to Alabama, Texas A&M game a week after that. So yeah, that's just not going to happen. I, I can, I'll tell you that now, but I do think it's a better gauge for, guys like Keon Keely to see what an actual Ohio state football game is like in prime time in a normal setting, it'll be a, the, the typical prime time game. Nathan, you like the blackout. they are
1: wearing black. black. absolutely nobody involved with Ohio state athletics, fan media, whatever that cares less about the uniforms than I do. I'm t- oh. I, I know the fans do. So I try to report on it, but uh, whatever they want to wear, as long as I can read the numbers.
0: I just don't understand. They have all these alternate jerseys and they keep wearing these black ones. Well, black's cool. I don't know. I, I know. mean, they've done some other I mean, things. I <laughs> know black is cool, but they you know, <laughs> fuck. I talk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have to. They, to. they,
0: <laughs> they, they,
2: they Look, wore, I it black is cool. <laughs> they, I can't remember what game it was. They wore an all cream look one time in the Terrell Pryor era where they were sort of like off white from head to toe. And let me say that was not cool in my opinion. So um, I do. And if you go all scarlet, sometimes you can look like a tomato. So I do think I like sort of the deep
0: gray when they go lean into that. I think that's a good look. Um, there, was, there was a Jersey they wore a lot during the Braxton Miller era where they also had the different top style of helmet where it was just like more emphasized. Yeah. Helmet stuff. And it was like green Buckeye leaves on it. I love that one. That's yeah. That's my favorite one.
2: There's some. So, you know, the the alternate uniform conversation is 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 15 years old. They wear them. I get it. People like it. So wear black. If you're going to the game, Ohio State wants you to wear black. Okay. Time to make our picks. 18.5 points. Ohio State is favored by. The over under is 56 and a half points. Nathan Baird, what do you have for Wisconsin and Ohio State on Saturday night?
1: That line's been bouncing around, so I made that pick without my pick without knowing that it had come back down to 18.5. I'm going Ohio State 37, Wisconsin 19. I think Wisconsin's going to be able to put up some points, uh, but I don't know that I think that this is a game that Ohio State ever really loses control of. I just am skeptical of Wisconsin having the passing efficiency that it would need in order to truly threaten Ohio State in a game like this. And I think that Ohio State made some decisions last week personnel-wise to be as healthy as possible for this game, and I think it could pay off. Whether that's Trevion Henderson, who looked like he practiced in full on Wednesday, Mike Hall, down the line. If if Ohio State is fully healthy for this game, I think we're going to see a better effort, especially on the defensive side than we saw last week against Toledo. And you have put yourself
2: right on the number with both of these. So you have Ohio state winning by 18. So by the line that we're going by, as we make this, you're taking Wisconsin with the points and you're on 56 points and the over-under is 56 and a half. So you're under, so you're under and
0: taking the points with Wisconsin. Stephen, what do you got? I want 41, 17 Ohio state. So I'm in the same range as Nathan. I, I just I think Wisconsin will pull some stuff off, I think because we've seen other teams so far, be able to at least pull some stuff off, get an end zone a couple of times maybe Grand Marps puts together a drive. But I just don't see how Wisconsin covers these wide receivers. And even if they do drop eight, CJ Stroud has just spent the last three weeks showing us that a team dropping eight on him means nothing anymore like it did last year. So that for you is you are, it is kind of close to Nathan, but you're actually on the
2: opposite side of both. So you're taking the over because you have 58 points and you're giving the 18 and a half because you have Ohio state winning by 24. I'm giving the Wisconsin offense a little more credit. I have Ohio state 42, Wisconsin 27. So that I, I like the over here because I just think both offenses are going to move the ball. Um, I do think Graham Mertz will play pretty well. I think there will be will be times where maybe even Graham Mertz plays plays good enough that Ohio State fans get a little bit nervous briefly, but not for all four quarters. But I don't, I think we all agree. I just don't know how Wisconsin stops Ohio State. And they're, you know, they're gonna try to extend possessions and do the same kind of stuff. They can't be as conservative as Notre Dame was, but I do think they wanna try to march and and not let the Ohio State offense go crazy, but I'm, I'm the over. I really like the over and I'm also, no, but I'm, I'm taking the points with Wisconsin. So I only have a 15 point Ohio state win. So those are our picks for Ohio state against Wisconsin on Saturday night. And there's one more thing I want to talk about. Denzel Burke, when you guys went to practice on Wednesday night, Stephen, he wasn't practicing and we got an explanation for that, but do we think,
0: Well, let's give the facts of the matter first for people who don't know it. What do we know, Stephen? The facts are I was sitting in the woody waiting on them to let us in so we could do player interviews on Wednesday evening when Denzel Burke gets dropped off at the door that we usually go into, not necessarily the door that the players and the coaches typically go into. So that side door closer to the parking lot. And he's got some food. He's got a drink. And like it doesn't look like a dude who was like – running late for practice he was just kind of making his way into the building and i'm like oh that's denzel burke apparently he wasn't at practice today so then obviously once you get to the woody i start talking to some people try to figure out why their quote-unquote best corner was like not at practice and not even in present let alone practicing and the the quote i will give is he's good They knew he was at. They they knew he wasn't going to be there. Um, It's nothing too big. It's nothing crazy. But they knew he wasn't going to be there. It was excused, and he should be fine for Saturday. So those are the facts. Yeah. So here's old man
2: reporter. There are times when you cover a team and a thing happens that's kind of like a huh, and everybody's like ah, and you get like a it's all good or they're good kind of quote, and then a month later. You're like, oh, yeah, that was that. Okay. So, like, Nathan, I'm. we're not trying to make a – but I think it, we can also state for the record, it maybe it would be fair to say it is not typical for a starter on a major college football team on a Wednesday practice to get dropped off with a bag of food while practice is going on. I think, Nathan, that is a – fair statement of facts as well yes
1: uh yeah a thousand percent i've never seen another player just get dropped off there in front now i got there like steven said like 90 seconds i literally so i didn't actually see it but it's it's it is extremely uncommon and it's just something for us to have our antenna up about you you hear things see things bouncing around throughout the week And this one was so obvious and there were other witnesses to it that I felt like we definitely needed to pass it along to people. But we don't necessarily every little thing that flips through the wind, you don't pass along because sometimes things turn out to be nothing. It's just things to have in mind as you get there, settle in on Saturday and are watching warm ups, watching who comes out, watching who doesn't come out, watching how they come out, watching what they do when they come out. And that's what we'll be doing with Denzel Burke if he's out on the field on
0: Saturday. And that's the more important part. I'm glad you didn't say it. Let's see what happens with the availability report, because the last yeah, few weeks have yeah. also shown us that the availability report can sometimes mean squat. So yes. if he plays on Saturday and it actually is nothing, these are still human beings. So, And if they're saying it was excused, he could just have like a real life thing or he could not, who knows, but we'll see on Saturday if he's taking the field or not. And he might have a real life thing. Yeah.
2: Often if you have a real life thing, they still say, "Well, you have to come to practice." Sorry about your real life. Like, I mean that that's that's yeah. kind of like the whole thing with college football that yeah. the, your real life takes backseat to being at practice.
1: Anymore. So, like, I mean, Ryan Day was talking today, um, and I, I I texted this out, and then I had some back and forth with some a texter about it because he said that during a week they like to go ten to fifteen reps, good on good, and twenty to twenty five reps against the scout team. And in some ways that tells you just how condensed any kind of scrimmage action is for a college football team in a week. Like they're not out there for two hours just running plays against each other and, and, and running what Wisconsin does. There's still a lot of like individual work, group work, uh, your side of the ball work before you go out there and try to do any kind of head to head stuff. But I think it also emphasizes how much you miss. If you're not at either practice, if you miss a Tuesday or Wednesday, it is a massive loss. Like if you follow um, for people who like follow fantasy football, when you're seeing updates about is somebody going to play on the this weekend, it's like, well, he missed Thursday practice, and that usually means they don't play on Sunday or whatever or Friday practice, like because missing a practice is sometimes a massive loss of your week because. You don't have that many opportunities. They do take days off. They do have lighter days. And if you miss a Tuesday or Wednesday, it can be pretty significant. Now, having said that, we don't actually know what is going on with Denzel Burke.
2: I'm going to state two more facts because we're trying to stick to the facts here. One is Denzel Burke has not played as well this season as anticipated. Doesn't mean he's been terrible. Doesn't mean he's not a good player. I think that is a statement of fact that probably Denzel Burke and the Ohio State coaching staff would agree with. My other statement of fact is a year ago, Ohio state had a guy that everybody assumed coming into the season was the number one cornerback and he had a goofy year and left. So, and we never got a straight answer really about what was going on with seven banks. So that's not fair. That has nothing to do with Denzel Burke, but that was something goofy and unexplained that happened with a player at Ohio state at the same position. So it just means that sometimes you can't discard stuff. Maybe it needs to be discarded, but I am a person, I save trash. I am having a real problem right now because I'm supposed to switch computers. and I'm trying to download everything on my current hard drive up into a cloud so I can put it on my new computer. Hoarder. I am a hoarder. And I have, I was, again, like I have like a Jeff Hierman interview that I'm afraid to get rid of. I have photos from 2011 that I'm afraid to get rid of. And it's like, hey, have all my 2011 photos transferred over? I'm so scared to get rid of anything because what if I need it? So that's all. What if we need this information? We saw it. We're not trying. This is not, we're not trying. We're just trying to let you know what we know. And we're also telling you what we don't know. But one of my, when I was a young, Doug story time. I learned this. I've told this story before. I'm a baseball writer. I'm mediocre at best. And there's a guy I'm covering the Philadelphia Phillies. There's a guy who's done it. He's still doing it there. He's great. And during a game, a player hits a home run. And instead of walking down the steps in the dugout, where you always walk down after a home run where the manager stands, he walks to the middle of the dugout and walks down the other set of steps. And it's like, I don't know. Hey, we walked down a set of steps. What are you going to do? It's like, ah, oh, is that nothing? I don't know. It's a set of steps. What is it? He didn't want to walk past the manager because he hated the manager. And that was the beginning of it. And I was like, I don't know. I'm getting a Diet Coke. What am I doing? And this other guy was like, oh, he didn't walk down the steps. And I always think about that. TV didn't show it, right? Nobody, but the guy who knew what was up took it as a sign, and he was right. So sometimes the signs mean nothing. But sometimes – but it it might mean nothing. But put it in your pocket anyway just in case. That's all. That's all. Nathan?
1: I just want to throw in one other piece of detail. And we kind of brushed past this, I think, when we were talking about um, things earlier in the week. But Jim Knowles has asked about Burke again this week. And he was talking about, you know, he's serious about his craft, comes in early, works with the the coaches, does the right things. And this was the quote he said. I've said before, it's life on an life on an island is difficult and particularly at the Ohio State with all the attention. That was something Jim Knowles said about Denzel Burke earlier this week, I think, which is a indication of Denzel Burke is struggling at like the worst possible time to struggle because nobody else is struggling. So there's been a lot of stories written by all 500 people who cover this beat about how Denzel Burke isn't playing very well. And I think I've had that in the back of my mind since he said it on Tuesday. I've had that in the back of my mind of how is that getting, addressed and handled behind the scenes that is he, is, is Burke reading too much of that stuff or is, I mean it's not really his fault because it's being thrown in his face like I said, we're all writing it, but it's it that is a aspect of this that's happening right now with this team
0: and it's almost what, what makes this a little bit worse when you don't have all the details it's because, because he's playing bad and it's, hey we saw him not at practice, it's like, oh, you're playing bad and you're not trying to get better when No, that's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what we're saying at all. It's just that can easily be taken that way by people of like, oh, you're playing trash and you're also not going to practice to improve on. So you're not playing trash anymore. And that might, that's not what we're saying at all either. I just want to make sure we're saying that as well. But if, but if CJ Stroud or Marvin Harrison Jr. Or Paris, if if, if I just saw Marvin Harrison Jr., it had just been like, oh, Marvin Harrison is like just taking some time. Like it wouldn't have the same reaction from fans that didn't yeah. is getting because he's playing like, bad.
1: We brought up when we were talking before the pod, there was a was it the Nebraska week last year? Why does that stick out of my head? Nicholas Petit Frere like left the team midweek for a funeral or something back mm-hmm. in Florida and had to miss, I think, a practice to do that. Like so it's not unprecedented that a guy would miss a practice and then still play later that week. But it's rare. And it's especially odd that it's just a guy showing up in a car while the practice is going on.
2: So I hope we're not. No, no, no. I'm not going to apologize. We're just telling you what's happening. And we're not saying that it's anything. But obviously, when it's a guy who's not playing at his best, it's different than if it's the guy who's the Heisman favorite. So that's where we stand with that. Whatever we learn, we'll let you know. Tech subscribers 614-350-3315. Of course, we want you to read in Cleveland.com/slash OSU. And we hope you listen to Buckeye Talk as much as you possibly can. College Football Survivor Show this week. I'll be honest, not a lot of Ohio State talk, but we really dug in on Georgia, my partner Shahan and I. And does Penn State, does Penn State belong in the playoff mix? Is something that we talked about.
1: I thought you were gonna say we talked about whether Georgia should be in the playoff mix.
2: Yeah. <laughs> No, they're like in the NFL playoff mix. They got be the, the, short, AFC, be the shortest shortest pod NFC South yes.
1: playoff
2: mix. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like yeah, the a- the NFC South right now is a little rough. Saints, Bucks, Falcons, Panthers, take your shot, yeah. Georgia, take your shot, Kirby. Uh, I'm a Falcons fan, I take offense to that. I like Ritter, man. I'm curious if they get to the Desmond Ritter or not. But anyway, uh, that's it for now. We'll see you guys from Ohio Stadium Saturday night. You can check our YouTube channel just go on youtube and you search cleveland.com and ohio state we always put videos up there during the week and then again after games we'll have the podcast up in the wee hours saturday night sunday morning uh and of course again cleveland.com slash osu for now for steven means and nathan baird i'm doug Maurice, and that was buckeye talk